Praise the Lord. Amen. Good morning. Good to be back here in this great house. You may be seated. Thank you. Um, I just noticed this morning, uh, I think it's the 11th year that I'm coming back here. And I think 11 means added measure. So let's pray that God will add some measure here today and tomorrow night. And uh, just a great honor to be with you. You know, when you're in your 20s, in your early 30s, you dream about the future. You're still reaching into the future. But when you come to my age, you, you have the, the blessings to be able to look back and you have a great idea of how the Lord has been faithful and how He led you and how He has fulfilled every promise that He made to you. If I have time to tell you about the promises that God has fulfilled in our lives, you will have a, a stronger confidence than ever before that He is real. I spoke with uh, Randy yesterday in the car and his wife, and I told them one or two stories about how the Lord has spoken to us and how he has fulfilled it. So I'm standing in front of you as somebody that graciously have experienced the incredible, detailed faithfulness of God. Extremely faithful. So it's a great honor to be here. Now I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to introduce tomorrow night's storm by talking this morning about storms. I don't know whether this is prophetic that you're going to have a one tomorrow night, but, uh, but I'm going to talk about storms today. You say, well, that's a very negative word. No. Uh, before Adam and Eve, there were no storms. In heaven one day, there will be no storms. But here on this earth, we will have storms. And I'm not specifically talking about weather, bad weather. I'm talking about figurative storms. Uh, if you have never come through a storm, then I simply don't believe you. <laughs> uh, sorry to be so blunt, but um, don't lie in the house of the Lord because storms is part of life. Amen. Tonight, I think I will talk about deserts. You say, no, no, no. Can you rather go back to Atlanta and rethink what you want to talk about and come back six months later. Uh, well, even deserts, you know, sometimes we think you only learn the good stuff amongst the good stuff. Sometimes you learn the greater lessons amongst troubled areas. Tomorrow night I'm going to talk to you about Catch Peter. You say Catch Peter? Well, I'm not going to tell you what it's all about because I want you to come. But in the place of Peter, you can put your own name there. So we're going to talk about that tomorrow night. It's going to be a powerful night, amen. I promise you, it's going to be powerful. Now, this morning, I want to talk about storms. And again, it's figurative storms, and we're going to cover quite a few storms. Uh, and the last storm we're going to cover this morning is the unexplainable storms. I've learned one thing, that God can put a gift in you, and God can gift you, and God can anoint you, but He does not only anoint you for good days. He anoints you for whatever comes your way. He is the God of the mountaintops and the valleys. Uh, and it's sometimes the valleys that make the mountaintops look so good. 
So sometimes your lows in life that set you up for greater highs. Storms um, are all about difficulties, challenging, and uncertain times. That's what storms is all about. Uh, you may not thank me today that I teach on storms, but you will thank me not too long from now that I did teach you about storms. The ocean of life has storms. No matter who you are, uh, you will face storms. No one is excluded. That includes the president, the queen of England. No one is excluded. Sometimes we hear about teenage storms. How many of you know that teenagers, they have their own kind of storms? And uh, why do you laugh like that, ma'am? It's not good. You probably have one in your home. That's why. That sounds like the laugh of experience. A teenage storm may not look like a crisis to an adult. Come on. But it is a storm. And some teenagers will fall into depression. Others will go through the same storm and uh, smile through it. Never judge another person's storm according to your own perception. Because you, ju you just don't know what other people go through. Be careful to be critical. Uh, because tomorrow it's your turn. And I'm not negative. I'm just helping you. I'm, I'm, I'm 70 years old this year, and I, and I don't look 70. I know that. <laughs> but I've seen a few storms, and I've seen incredible storms the last two years. And I'm not referring to COVID. I'm referring to churches going through storms, pastors going through storms, pulpit going through storms. I've seen it. I've seen the worst storms in the last two years that I've ever seen in 42 years. So I'm, I'm speaking about a little bit of experience. Okay. The Bible talks about storms. You will find Jesus in storms. Uh, all storms are not the same. And, they, and there's different reasons for storms. So that is my little introduction. Finally, I've got some notes after all these years. There are explainable storms. And then there are unexplainable storms. And we're going to end with an unexplainable storm. And I hope that by not being able to explain the unexplainable, that I will explain something that is unexplainable. That's very deep. Okay. 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 And then you have satanic storms that is meant for destruction and, uh, and so forth. But let's go to the first one and we find... This guy in the Old Testament, and his name is Jonah. You guessed right. It's Jonah. The Bible does not say much about Jonah. There's two or three pages on him. Uh, but the first thing I want to say is Jonah, and we all know what happened here. Jonah went completely out of the will of God because of disobedience. But the beautiful thing about God is, although Jonah was out of God's will... He was never off the radar. That's what I love about God and His grace. That sometimes we spin out of control, but we are still on His radar. And uh, we're not going to read a lot of verses there because I have so many other verses I want to go to. But in Jonah chapter 1 and 2, you can read it for yourself. Uh, 
the Bible says that God sent him to Nineveh. God gave him a word to go to Nineveh. And the word of the Lord came to him and Jonah, and he said to him, Arise, go to Nineveh, and cry out against the wickedness of that city. But Jonah arose and flee to Tarsus from the presence of the Lord. Now, the first thing I want to say is you can never flee from the presence of God. It's impossible. God is everywhere. He's going to find you. Uh, Nineveh is the capital city of the uh, then Assyrian people. Jonah left Joppa, which was Tel Aviv, the modern-day Tel Aviv, and he went to Tarsus completely into disobedience. Now, why do I start with disobedience? Because every one of us has the incredible gift to be disobedient. Say to the person next to you, you are gifted in that area. Come on. We are all, uh, uh, Shane is shaking his head, but uh, I will deal with him later on. I mean, he, he's included. He thinks he's excluded. He's not. By the way, I've never seen uh, his young son. Man, I tell you what, I, they told me I anointed him last year with oil. I will never put oil on that boy again because everything in him exploded. So uh, if you want the anointing, come and get, please, but don't give it to him, okay? He's got enough in one year. God bless him. Okay, so he went to Tarsus in disobedience, and uh, he tried to flee from the presence of God. Now, Psalm 139, 7 says, where can I go from the Spirit, or where can I flee from your presence? The question that the psalmist says or asks is, where can I flee? There is no way you can flee. So, in Jonah 1, uh, verse 4, uh, Jonah's out of uh, the will of God. He's now on a ship, and uh, he's in disobedience, and now there's a storm on the ocean. All of a sudden, he, because of his disobedience, he puts other people in danger. And the Bible says in verse 4, But the Lord sent out a great wind on the sea. He's on a ship. He's fleeing from the presence of God. But the Bible says, And the Lord send a wind. I want to call that wind a grace wind. Aren't you glad that when you're out of the will of God, God will sometimes send a wind to get you back? You send a wind on the storm, and all of a sudden they start to ask questions on the ship. What's going on? Why do we have the storm? And, uh, and the, uh, they, 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 he was sleeping, and he was at peace by himself, and they asked him, who are you? And they had a lottery. And the lot fell on him, and then ultimately Jonah had to admit, uh, I am, I'm a Christian. I, I'm, I'm not supposed to be here on the ship. I'm out of the will of God. You see, there, there comes a time that, um, that you cause your own storm. I'm not talking about people in this church. It's, it's always people in other churches. Uh, it's never the church where I am. Amen. But, um, yeah, you, we all have the gift to be disobedient and uh, let me say this. Now we, they're going to throw him, to, him into the ocean, and God is going to bring him back to obedience. But actually, we have Jonah here being obedient under protest. How many of you have done that once in your life where you are obedient, but you're not willingly obedient, but you are? We all have the gift to do that. I've done it myself where I do something I know God wants me to do, but man, my flesh 
is not happy with this direction, okay? So it's dangerous outside the will of God, and we have a free will, but sometimes our free will, come on, church, America, the land of the free, sometimes when we have so much freedom, we're not free anymore because our freedom must be subject to God's will. You cannot just have wildfire. Wildfire out of control is, is a disaster. And um, so when you think of Samson, same story. Samson had incredible power, and he ultimately revealed his power to Delilah. And what happened? He lost his eyes. You see, for disobedience, you will always pay a price. And then we find him between the pillars and how he prayed, Lord, use me once more with one blow. And the day when Samson died, he had his greatest victory. But that is, that, is the, that is the storm of disobedience, and you can go and read Jonah for yourself. But let's go to a satanic storm, and we're going to find the satanic storm in uh, Mark chapter 4. And um, so I still need to go to Acts chapter 27 and 28, and then we're going to come back to Matthew 14. But here in Mark chapter 4, you have a satanic storm, and... Uh, Jesus said to the disciples in verse 35, on the same day when evening had come, he said to them, let us cross over to the other side. Let us cross over us. Teamwork, Jesus is with his disciples. Let us cross over to the other side. Now, on the other side, there was a demonic territory that were waiting on them. And uh, it was towards the evening. Now, remember... In the evening, you normally lose direction, no markers. When there's a storm, there's no markers, no land. You don't know where it's north, south, east, or west. And uh, the beautiful thing here is that Jesus is in the boat with them. Jesus is in the storm with them. So that tells me that you cannot claim because you're a Christian you will never go through storms. Uh, you will go through storms, whether you know the Lord or not. You will go through it. And uh, so the Bible says um, that they were, it's, it's towards the evening, and a great windstorm arose, and the waves beat into the boat so that it, it was filling. And, uh, but he was at the stern asleep on a pillow, and, and, and they awoke him, and they said, Teacher, do you not care for us? What I love here about Jesus is that he was sleeping in the storm. That tells me that God says you can have peace in the midst of a storm. He lives what he teaches you to be. He demonstrates what he teaches you to be. And uh, then he arose and he rebuked the wind. Uh, he, he rebuked the wind. Now, the Bible says in verse 37, just go back there for a moment. The Bible says in verse 37, a great windstorm arose, arose. That word arose from the original language is a word that it means when things catch you off guard. You cannot live this life and not be caught off guard sometimes. How many of you have been caught off guard by things that happen in your life and you have no idea why did it happen? That's what happened right here. That word means that they were caught off guard completely, completely. Something abnormal arise in your life. Jesus rebuked the wind. 
Now, when Jesus rebuked the wind, he rebuked something that he created himself. So he rebuked wind that he created because wind normally brings rain. But now he rebukes the wind. That tells me that there's something demonic going on here. Now, the word rebuke, when Jesus rebuked the wind, that word rebuke is the same word that Jesus used when he rebuked demons. That tells me that, that you can have weather that is demonic. Come on. Now, what is going on here? You know, when you look at this, you will, you will notice in, in, in this modern day, when you work with insurance companies, they will call the weather the acts of God. Or it must be the acts of God. It's because they cannot explain it, now they blame it on God. Come on. They call it the acts of God. It's not always God. Don't blame everything on God that goes wrong. And uh, they blame it on God. He's now the creator of disasters. Here is the bottom line truth. This storm was purely a demonic attack. The devil had one thing in mind, and that is to kill Jesus. He tried six to seven times to take Jesus out. Why? Jesus carried holy blood. And you need to get rid of holy blood because holy blood shed on the cross will rescue humanity. And the devil decided, I need to stop that. I need to drown him because if that blood is going to flow, and if this man reached the other side, remember the Bible says, Jesus said, let's go to the other side. Church, and now the purpose here was to kill Jesus. So when you carry the Lord in your life, you will sometimes have an attack that will come against you because of what you carry. I remember a few years ago when we had that big upper room and we had the whole world coming in, my wife was diagnosed with cancer. When we got the news that day, it was three months before the, the, the largest budget that I've ever had to stand in for, I had so much pressure on me. And when I got the news that my wife was diagnosed with bladder cancer, I knew immediately this is Satan working against us because he's afraid we will reach the other side. We were on our way with the upper room into some territory that was not good for the devil. And, uh, and you need to know that the enemy, the devil, will attack you, but it doesn't mean he's going to stop you from going to the other side. Now, we, when you look at Mark chapter 5, you will see on the other side, and I'm not going to go into the detail there because there's a phenomenal word there. There was a demonic man who controlled the whole region. Nobody could bind him. Nobody could control him. And he destroyed everything. And so the whole territory belonged to Satan. And the devil knew that if Jesus arrived on the other side, he's going to bring order where there is disorder. Because when you go to Mark chapter 5, verse uh, 15, you will see that the people came to see who this Jesus is, and they saw the man that was demon-possessed sitting clothed in his right mind with Jesus. 
That man was never sitting. That man was never clothed. He was half naked. That man was completely out of control. But the demons went into the, into the swine, and now they saw the man sitting clothed right mind. They saw a picture of what a community looked like when Christ is in full control. And the Bible says they were afraid. So what am I saying to you? When God attacks this church, or when the devil attacks this church, it's because the devil realized this church has an other side. When the devil attacks you, the devil knows, if I can get you out now, I will stop you from bringing order on the other side. Because Jesus specifically said, let's go to the other side. So sometimes even governments can keep people in bondage. That's why we need to discern the hour that we're in. Because we are in an hour of evil and darkness, and we as the body of Christ need to discern. We will reach the other side. We will accomplish our mission. We will get the job done. You will survive. You will love. And the enemy will not take you out. 2 Corinthians 10 clearly teaches us that Satan should not take advantage of us, for we are not ignorant with his devices. Luke 1 verse 9 says he gave us authority over demons. James 4 7 says, therefore submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee. It doesn't say resist the devil and he will flee. No, you can only resist the devil if you submit to God. You see, your power is in your submission. Your power is not in how eloquent you speak. I know Africans that cannot speak well, but the moment they start to operate in the spirit, demons flee all over the place. Why? Because they live in submission to God. But then you have, now that is a satanic storm. We're not going to go and spend much more time on that one either. But let's go to Acts chapter 27 because here we find a phenomenal story of another storm. And you probably know the story so well. It's the Apostle Paul in Acts chapter 27. They, he's a prisoner and they force him now to get onto a ship. And twice he spoke to the people on the ship and he said to them, we should not go on into the ship and we should not sail on this ocean because we're going to lose our life. In the book of Timothy, you will notice that when Paul wrote to Timothy, he said to him once, come before the winter, bring me my, 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 my writings my, and bring me my, my cloak. Paul was in prison in Rome. He's about to die, but he wants Timothy to see him again. And he said to Timothy, come before the winter. Because the Mediterranean Ocean, those days, you could not sail on that ocean. You will die. Here is Paul. Again, he's still on his way to Rome. He's a prisoner. And he warns the captain of the ship that they should not sail. And, uh, and uh, because you don't sail in the winter. When you look at verse 9... Paul spoke to them, and they did not listen. Remember, Paul was not the owner of the ship. He was just a Christian voice that said, don't do it. 
You will, you will read in verse 22 to 23 how Paul spoke to them again. Why? Because a, a few verses back in verse 20, 21, 22, 23, the Bible says, An angel came and he spoke to Paul and he said to Paul, You will stand before Caesar and you will not die. And he said to Paul, I will, I will rescue 276 men that sail with you. So here we have a situation. They're in a storm. Under normal circumstances, everybody would have died. But the angel came and he spoke to Paul on the ship and he said to him, don't worry, you will not die and not one of these men will die because you must stand before Caesar. So here we have a storm where God is going to rescue 276 men based on the Apostle Paul that is on the ship. You will notice that when the angel came, the angel never spoke to the captain of the ship. The angel never spoke to the owner of the ship, and maybe that was the captain of the ship. He spoke to the man who had a heavenly mandate on the earth, Paul, and sometimes it's because of the presence of men and women that have a ma heavenly mandate that God will rescue a nation, not because of who's the president, but sometimes of who is in the nation and who is praying. Because Paul was the man who had a heavenly mandate, and God saved that ship because of Paul and because of his mission, because the angel said, you must stand before Caesar. So I want to say to all of you is, although America will go through a storm, America should thank the church. Because if you remove the church out of America, the storm will last and the storm will destroy. But God is rescuing this nation because of the body of Christ that is on the ship. We're all sailing as one nation but when the crisis comes, the angels will not visit the White House. The angels will not visit the Prime Minister of England. The angels will speak to the church because our mandate will be the reason you and I, the salt of the earth, we will be the reason why God will rescue a whole nation even if they are unsaved. Come on. So that is the picture there. But now I want to cover something which is so powerful. Storms bring opportunities. You need to listen to this. Storms brings opportunities. So don't, don't run away from your storm because sometimes what looks dark and dangerous today carries something good tomorrow. Because you will notice in Acts chapter 28, they arrived on an island, Malta. That's a beautiful story. The Bible says they arrived on the island, Malta. It was raining. It was cold. Paul made a fire. A snake came out of the fire, and the snake bit him by the hand. Remember? They just lost the whole ship. The ship is just debris. But 276 men made it because Paul said to them, the angel told me you will not die. 
I tell you what, that's prophecy. That's prophecy. Don't prophesy from a five-star hotel. Prophesy from a crisis and rescue a nation. And they will have respect for you. And that's why the respect for the church will have to come back. Because America will learn that the people that God really respect is the body of Christ. Amen? So what happened here is a snake came out of the fire and bit him by the hand. Very interesting that the snake bit the same man that had an angelic visitation in, verse, in chapter 27. Can you see what's happening? The devil is against those who carry the mandate from heaven. But cheer up. This, the bite of Satan will not take you out. Because the bite of Satan came here, but Paul already knew. The angel told me, I will go and I will stand before Caesar. Cheer up, church. They are now on the island Malta. The Bible says that when they saw the snake bit him by the hand, they said, oh, he must be a murderer. You can read it for yourself. There's always people that jump to conclusions when things go wrong with you. Don't listen to people's assumptions about you. Because the Bible also says that when they saw that Paul did not swell up and die, because the Bible says they thought he will swell up and die. And then when they noticed he did not swell up and die, they said, oh, he must be a god. So in the eyes of those that criticize, he was a murderer. But when he did not swell up and die, they promoted him to a god. Can you see how powerful it is? God will sometimes use the bite of Satan to promote you in the eyes of people that would have criticized you. Storms bring opportunities. Here is the opportunity. The Bible says, and you can read it for yourself, verse 7 says, and in that region there was a, a, an estate of a leading citizen of the island whose name was Publius and, they received, and who received us and entertained us. Entertained us. And, and it happened that the father of Publius laid sick with fever. They brought him to Paul. Paul prayed for him. God healed him. Now, they brought all the sick people of the whole island, and God healed them all. Malta means honey. Now God is bringing the sweetness of healing to an entire island that was never on the agenda of Paul. It was the Acts 27 storm that Paul said we should not sail, that is now playing into the hands of God, and God is now orchestrating a healing crusade on an island that was never in Paul's mind. Storms bring opportunities. Come on. And, and, and even today, you will notice that on that island, even today, it's probably one of the most populated places in the world when it comes to church buildings. The footprint of Paul 
still shows today on that island. I'm not sure what kind of churches it is because everything changed probably, but the original footprint of Paul still shows. And I want to cheer you all up and say to you, your storms carry something sweet for people that you did not even think about. Come on, church. Storms brings opportunities. Amazing that when Paul spoke to them in verse 9, they did not listen, of chapter 27. But when Paul spoke to them in, in verse 23 and 20, 22 and 23, and he said to them, not one of you will die, all of a sudden they listened to him. Many years ago when God spoke to me about the upper room, I said, Lord, how will America listen? Because America will not listen as long as they are in control. And the Lord said to me, I know how to force America to listen. And what happened here is when the storm hit and Paul said, an angel stood by me tonight, they listened. Come on. So storms caused by other people can be dangerous, but God sometimes uses storms to bring opportunities. But I want to go to an unexplainable storm, Matthew chapter 14. I love the unexplainable things, the things that leave me asking more questions, having no answers. Come on. Now, in Matthew chapter 14, before we go to verse 22, you will notice that Jesus just multiplied the bread and he just fed 5,000 people. Isn't that amazing? Just before the storm, Jesus fed 5,000 people with bread. It's amazing when you go to the Garden Gethsemane, there was only three. When you go to the cross, there was only one. It's amazing that the closer you get to the cross, the smaller the crowds become. Come on. So Jesus gave bread to 5,000 people. And, oh, we love the bread conferences where we get a T-shirt and we get a CD and we buy the latest hat that says, Make Hebrew Springs Great Again. Come on. I didn't say anything strange. I don't know why you laugh. But we love the bread conferences where we get something. All the church love bread conferences. All the three keys to more money and the five steps to greater breakthroughs and the seven ideas how to. We love those kind of conferences. I call it the bread conferences. I just bring this in. It's completely free. I don't charge for this because the worst is now coming. Come on. From the bread to the Gethsemane, the crowd was three. The cross, the crowd was one. May God help us that we are not only bread people, but may God help us that we are people that will go with him to the Gethsemane and also to the cross. So the feast is over. 5,000 people ate bread. And now we find Jesus with his disciples. It is sunset. It is the evening. It's the end of another day. 
And when we go to verse 22, we reach something powerful there. And I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stand still here for a moment. It says, immediately, Jesus made his disciples get into the boat and uh, go before him, go before him to the other side. There's the other side again. And the Bible says, while he sent the multitudes away, and he went, and he sent the multitudes away, and he went to the mountain to pray. This time, Jesus is not in the boat. But the Bible says, verse 22, Jesus made his disciples. He made them. It doesn't say he asked them. He made them go into the boat. The original language for that word made imply they were not willing to get into the boat. Here we have a picture that we don't see every day. Jesus made them go into the boat, but he doesn't join them. Remember, that water, the mountains... They knew that water very well. They were on that water many, many times. It was evening, and they knew that if the weather comes and the weather do what the weather can do and, ev- and all the circumstances work out just, just the wrong way, they could be in the middle of a storm, and Jesus is not with them. Jesus made them. I don't like that word made. When I read it, I said, Lord, how many times have you made me do things? And then when I'm in the storm, I wonder, where are you? Where are you? We all have seasons like that where we go through a season or we're in a storm and we feel like God wants us to do it, but we cannot find God in the storm. He's gone. He's praying in the mountain. He made his disciples go into a storm. He is God. He's also man. He knew exactly what he was doing. And when I saw this, the Lord said to me, son, that's when you really need to trust me. You see, it's sunset. It's going dark. They're on the water. There's a storm breaking out. They've been on that lake many, many times. Why did he go and pray? Why doesn't he go onto the storm and send us up the mountain to pray? Why does he go to pray on the mountain? That's easy for you, God, to go and pray and you force us into a storm that you know and we know it's not good because this whole piece of nature is a breeding ground for a great storm and you made us and not with sunrise is sunset so you're sending us into darkness where we're going to lose our markers we're going to lose our direction the, come on come on church We all have seasons like that where we say God is not with us. God is not, you cannot find him. 
the ceiling has become like rock. God doesn't hear me. Where is he? Come on. Bible says, and the boat was now in the middle of the sea, tossed by the waves, and the wind was contrary. Why did I say God was God and God was man? God knew. There's nothing that he doesn't know. He knew as, as God in flesh, he knew exactly what he was doing. But you see, church, it's sometimes out of the unexplainable things in my life that when I get through it, I'm a different person. Come on. I'm a different person. And what happened here is the boat was in the middle of the sea, tossed by waves, tossed by waves. There come seasons in your life that you are tossed by circumstances and God is nowhere to be seen. Tossed by waves, the wind was contrary. So the wind was there, but it was not a good wind. And uh, they're in trouble. So here we have a situation that we still, still don't have the answers. But I think I do have the answer in what I've learned. You see, sometimes we learn better under pressure than what we learn when things go well. In 2001, I arrived in America, and after about nine months in the country, I said to the Lord one day, I said, Lord, who is my enemy in America? And the Lord answered me and he said, the name of your enemy is comfort. Comfort is something that unless God shakes you out of it, you will not leave it willingly. I'm sorry, guys. I wish I could have brought you a better word. Next time I will bring the three keys to how to generate more money and the five ideas, how to become a multimillionaire in five years. I will bring all of that next time. But this time, let's get through the storms. Okay? Okay. Hallelujah. And uh, so the Bible says, uh, now in the fourth watch, watch this, in the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went to them. Jesus now decided... He's going to visit the disciples in the storm that he chose not to be part of. And he waited for the fourth watch. The fourth watch of the night or the morning was that time of the day that they believed Satan is in total control. It was early in the morning. Jesus did not come to them on the first, second, or third watch. He waited for the fourth watch. Because when they saw Jesus on the ocean, they said, it is a ghost. Uh, it, it, it is a ghost. That is their proclamation. It is a ghost. Oh, it is cancer. Yeah, yeah, that's what it is. Oh, yeah, yeah, I'm going to die. Yeah, it is a ghost. And the Bible says, and they cried out for fear. First they made a statement. Then they did some worship. Come on. 
You see, you cannot preach one thing and your worship is different. They made a negative statement. It is a ghost. It is cancer. It is my end. I'm going to die. It's the fourth watch. This is the hour that the devil control. And we are right there right now in this world. Some people believe we are in a fourth watch. But Jesus decided, I'm going to visit them in the devil's hour. And Jesus decided, I'm going to act like God. You see, sometimes God must allow a storm to come your way so that you can see a demonstration of the supernatural. Come on. Sometimes the greatest miracles happen in the darkest hours. Go to other nations that is persecuted and you will hear stories that is phenomenal how the Holy Ghost is demonstrating miracles. It's incredible. So they believe, oh, yeah, it, it, this is the end because they were controlled by fourth watch thinking. How many of you know there is something like fourth watch thinking? You know, if, if you watch CNN and Fox News and ABC and NBC and all the C's all the time, your mind is going to become what they say. And if, if, they, if you are polluted with what they say, you will probably believe what they've said and you will start to make proclamations based on what the news said. That's why they, because they were fourth watch polluted. They were polluted with what the fourth watch is all about. Oh, it's demonic. Jesus said, I'm going to visit my church in the fourth watch. Jesus, by implication, is going to show them the supernatural in the darkest hour. And I want to say to all of you, it is in the storms that you cannot explain that God will show himself stronger than in any other storm. Because now we have that guy in the ship, and his name is Peter. And I'll talk to you about him tomorrow night. He's a strange guy. He's a strange guy. He's different. And tomorrow night, we're going to go into his character. And we're going to pull him apart, and I'm going to tell you a few bad things about him. But he's in the boat, and he said to Jesus, if it is it, you, if it, if it, uh, I don't want to preach about if it now, because we all have seasons where we if it. Yeah, we're not sure. Because we are in an unexplainable situation. Come on, church, there comes times in your unexplainable situations that you're not sure whether it's a ghost or God. Even the mighty Peter was an if-it. If it is you, command me to come to you. Uh, uh, now, come on, Peter. He wants to walk on water in the devil's hour. You see, there's always somebody with an appetite for the supernatural, even when their character is still skewy. He wants to walk. You see, he saw Jesus and he realized, if that is Jesus, I've never seen him like this. 
I want to ask him, is it possible that I can come to him? And Jesus said, yes, come. Come. You see, sometimes God will train you your best walk in the hour that you cannot explain. Sometimes you will do things in the hour that you cannot explain. And when you, when you come through it, you will say, I had no idea why he made me get into that boat. But man, did I learn a few things since that day when he made me. Church, can I be honest with you? There's several things in my life that I was not willing to do. But he made me. Can I be honest with you? I love America. I was always impressed with America. But I never wanted to live here. I'm Africa. My heart is Africa. I love Africa. But he made me. And I'll tell you what, when he made you do things and it doesn't go well, then you have a lot of whining to catch up and he's not even there because he is praying. He doesn't hear my whining. He's praying. I mean, he's spiritual. He chose mountaintops, but he pushes me into the uncertain season and then he's, he's just quiet. I have no markers. I don't know where I am. All I know is this is not good water. And these mountains is not the ideal landscape to be on the water in a storm. I don't know where he is. The last time when he said, let us cross over, he was in the boat. But this time, for some unknown reason, he decided he wants to pray. Welcome to the unexplainable. But you will get through it. Just stop whining. Come on. You will get through it. Because just when you think you're going to drown, something will appear on the ocean. And you will learn to know him in a way you've never known him before. Come on. I mean, he just made 5,000 eat bread. And uh, they probably thought, man... If he can give us bread like that, I wonder what dessert will look like. Well, dessert never came. The dessert after the 5,000 bread was a storm that he forced on us. I can imagine the discussion in the boat. I can imagine how they spoke with one another and they said, where is he? Why did he go and pray? A church, that's the unexplainable. But Peter learned to walk in the unexplainable hour. And I want to say to you, when you learn to walk in the unexplainable hour, 
you will discover something about God and you will discover something about your own faith you've never known. You are stronger than what you ever know. You are capable of more when you're under pressure. You just don't know it. You know, I've always said it. If you ask me to talk to two people or interview two people or who can help you, never, don't give me the guy who's got 20 degrees. Give me the guy that has come through the desert. I would like to talk to him. But I want, I want to know, how do, you, how do you come through the desert, sir? And, and that's what I'm trying to say to you this morning. God rescued them, and Peter stepped into the bigger world of God. Remember, when Jesus walked towards them in the storm, he was God. He demonstrated God, the supernatural. When he ate bread with them, he was just man. But now he's walking on the water. That's supernatural. That's God. That's God. And God is saying to you, I will be man for you, but I want to show you my supernatural side. And sometimes I need to force you, otherwise you will never see my supernatural side. Because it's the negative. Come on. When the background is black, the diamond looks at its best. You never appraise a diamond on a white background. You put it on a dark black background so that you can see the quality of the diamond. And God says, the quality in you will show in your darkest hour. And when it's all said and done, you will thank God. Because what happened is, Peter walked... And when Peter looked back at the boat, remember Peter walked to it. He said, but Brother Andre, what you did not say is Peter did sink. He's, he sank. Yes, I know. I know. I know. I know. There's always a moment where you will lose it before you get it. I'd rather walk and sink than sit and never sink and never walk. Come on. How many of you have an appetite and you say, I want to know him, not only as the Jesus that became flesh, but I want to know him in his supernatural abilities. That's going to happen in the days that you cannot explain. Many, many years ago, a great man of God in South Africa built a huge church, one of the biggest churches in South Africa those days, and this man only had grade nine, I think. He was not the smartest guy on school, but man, God can use his faith. And when he built this building, the news came and they asked him questions and they said to him, Sir, what's next? And he said, I have no idea. They thought, What a bad answer. I have no idea. Come on, church. There comes a time in your life that God says, I will use you mightily. But don't act as if you know everything. Just be dead honest. I don't know. I'm just walking by faith. I don't know how I got through the storm. You saw me come through the storm. Don't think I'm good. It was just an act of God's grace that brought me through the storm. They were not willing to get into the boat. But when they stepped out of that boat that day, 
I think they were quiet, and I think they must have said to one another, I've learned more of God in this boat trip than what I've learned of Him walking with Him all these years on the earth. I've now learned that sometimes He must leave me alone for a while so that He can teach me my greatest lessons in the seasons I had no answers. And I want to prophesy to all of you you will have unexplainable stories. To a certain degree, I knew that my wife's cancer was satanic. But to a certain degree, it was also unexplainable. Unexplainable. Here I am, this mighty man of God. I've prophesied to so many people by the grace of God, and I say it again, I cannot prophesy to you because I'm gifted. I prophesy to you by the grace of God. Thousands and suddenly I'm standing in my bedroom. I'm canceling meetings. My wife has cancer. How do I explain that to people that look up to me as this so-called mighty man of God? And all I can say to them is, I, I, I don't, I don't, I, I, I just don't know. But give me grace. I'm going to walk with him through this season. Please talk to me a year from now. It's now three years from now. If you talk to me now, I can probably tell you a few things about God I didn't know three years ago. You see... I got some answers out of the unexplainable. I've learned things about him in my unexplainable hour that I would not have learned in any other place. He's praying. You may think he forgot about you, but you are still on the radar. You are still on the radar. It's like the prodigal son. The prodigal son took his inheritance, went away from his father's home, and I need to stop now. What is the time? And he came back to his father's home, and the Bible says when the father saw him, the father ran to him, gave him a, a cloak, a ring, sandals. When he went to the father's house, he said, I'm going to tell my father, and I'm going to say I'm sorry, and I'm going to do this, and I'm going to do that. Well, he knew that he was going back to the father's home, and he thought he will see his father first. But you see, the father had such a desire for him to come back that the father watched the road every day 24-7. Why? Because in the, on the father, in, on the side of the father, the son was never off the radar. He expected there will come a day that my boy will come over that hilltop and he will still work on his confession and he will not even notice I'm already running towards him because what he doesn't know is He's never been off my radar. He reminds me of Jonah, who was not obedient. But I have some winds that I can send because he's on my radar. 
He thinks I doesn't know where he is. I know exactly where he is. I know exactly where he is on the ocean. Uh, I mean, I, 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 if I, I found him on the ocean, I send the wind. I know exactly what ship needs the wind called my grace wind. It's like Paul. Paul is on an ocean. Oh, he's on my radar. That's my man. He wrote 27% of the New Testament. He must go to Rome because, come on, I need him in Rome. Oh, but he's going he's gonna, he's gonna to lose the ship. Don't, don't, don't worry. Acts chapter 28 says, three months later, Paul left on another ship for Rome. You may lose your ship, but you will get another ship. God knows what he's doing. Especially when he made you go into the boat. Sundown, dark. And you don't feel good about it. Oh, man. Oh, man. Oh, man. Sometimes I still don't feel good about things that God forced me to do. Come on. Can I be honest with you? Do you want a man of God that's be honest? Where's Randy? Where's Randy? He's on security. Okay. We drove yesterday in the car. He picked me up, and we spoke about many, many things. And we spoke about ministry, and I said to him, Randy, I said, to be honest with you, to be honest, Randy, if you want me to be honest, I don't want to be in your car. I don't want to preach at Heber Springs. Because I'm preaching for 42 years, Randy, and Randy, I do about 80, 90, 90 flights a year, Randy. Randy, I would love to be home. Well, I didn't tell him about this story, but Randy, the reason I... I mean, because every time I fly, they say, how was your flight, Pastor? Oh, my flight was good. My flight was good. I don't even hear it when you say, how was your flight? I just know the answer. It was good. What can I say? How was the meal, Pastor? Oh, great meal, Randy. Oh, great. Brazilian food was yesterday. I never had Brazilian. It was the best. But to be honest with you, I don't want to do Brazilian food. I don't want to fly to Little Rock. I don't want to be here. But I am. Because he made me do things. Come on, church. Sometimes you don't want to be in the morning service. You don't want to come. But somebody made you come. You still sit there and you say, I don't want to be here. But my mother made me. No, it's not your mother. Well, my father, no, it's not your father. Well, my mother-in-law, no, it's definitely not her. Can I help you? It's God that made you do things you don't want to do. But I'm telling you, the things that came out of the seasons that he made me do, 
I don't trade that for anything else. You know what I told Randy? I said, Randy, I don't want to be in your car. I said, but Randy, one day when I'm done with ministry and I'm out of it for two months, I will probably regret all my whining and my complaining. And I will say, I miss it. It was not easy. Many times I've lost my markers and I had no identity. I don't know where I am. I'm tired. But man, I miss that Heber Springs. I miss that guy with the beard. I miss Jojo with his white shoes. I miss Lee Brown. I will miss you. But I hope you understand. I'm not the only one like this. You're exactly the same. Don't you pretend you like everything you do. Don't you pretend you like Monday because there's something waiting on you this week that he's going to make you do. And don't you blame it on me because I have my own battle with him. He's praying and I'm rowing for survival. Come on. <laughs> Come on. Isn't this a great illustration? Hallelujah. Everybody say, he's praying. Come on, say it. Say, he's praying while I'm rowing for survival. I pray that God will bless you. I pray that you will enjoy your storms. I pray that when the wind is contrary, you will remember me. But I will be in Atlanta. Don't you call me. You've got your storms. I've got mine. But somehow, my Heavenly Father, He will bring us through it all. There's an old song that Andrew, uh, Andre Crouch sang many, many years ago. Through it all. You remember that song, brother? That was long before you were born. Through it all. Oh, man, he sang that song so beautifully. He brought me through it all. How many of you can, I can say this morning, I've come through it all. I've come through it. Amen. And I'm still going to it. If you say this morning, Lord, do whatever you want to do, I know I will see the supernatural in my unexplainable. Stand on your feet, and I want to pray over you, and I want to decree victory over you in Jesus' name. It's 12 o'clock. It's time to go home. The preacher was long-winded this morning. But come tonight. We're going to do some deserts tonight. I hope it goes better tonight because this was pretty negative. Hallelujah. <laughs> but I promise you, you're going to find Jesus in the storm, but you're also going to find him in the desert. And if Jesus is in the storm and Jesus is in the desert, I say, Lord, then I want to go with you because I'd rather walk with you in the desert than walk with the devil in Canaan's land. I don't want to walk with the devil nowhere. 
I'd rather walk in the desert with Jesus than with Satan in a false promise. Hallelujah. Close your eyes and pray this prayer. Say, Jesus. Say, Jesus. Come on, Eber Spring. Say, Jesus. When I lose my markers, when I lose my identity, when the wind is contrary, and when you're not in the boat, and I feel like you made me do this, help me to stay faithful. Because I know now that in my darkest hour, you will come and visit me. I may not understand everything, but I will not drown in my darkest hour. I believe I will see the supernatural in my darkest hour. In Jesus' name, amen. I hope this helps you. I say, I hope this helps you. Can I get some music here? Or will you give it to from the sound booth? I don't know. Thank you, sir. I hope this helps you, sir. I cannot promise you a Canaan's land every day. I cannot promise you you will have the best week. You see, we live in America where it's all about the best and the best and the best. I'd rather prepare you for how to walk with God in difficult times. Come on. We all know what happened in Ukraine. We all know how unpredictable this world is. We saw pictures in Ukraine now that we haven't seen since World War II. The younger generation has never seen that kind of war. Most of us have never seen it. We've seen it now. All I want to say to you is cheer up. He will not pray forever. He will come to our rescue when we least expect him. And when the sunrise come in Matthew chapter 14, when the sunrise came, the disciples, I'm done, the disciples went ashore and the disciples had this knowledge. God control even the devil's hour. The fourth watch does not really belong to Satan. It belongs to God. And I want to say to all of you, don't prepare yourself for death. When you see the signs in your body, don't say, I'm going to die. Don't determine your lifespan based on how long your mother lived. Come on. Because your father died at the age of 70 and you are 69 and a half and you have certain symptoms in your body, don't say it is a ghost. Because it's not what you think it is. You're going to live 10 and 15 years longer than your father. <laughs> they thought it was a ghost, and it was not. And I want to say to every man and woman here, don't let the bloodline curse where you come from 
dictate your future. Everybody say, I will live longer than my parents. Say, I am not controlled by the sickness and diseases that came over their life. That will not come my way. In Jesus' name. Come on, church. Come on, church. Say one more time. Say, I will see the supernatural in the unexplainable. Give God radical Arkansas praise.